Hey, this is, this is a really good book. It's a really good... It's the only book in the planet that every single person can read it and encounter the author. That's amazing. Can't do that with Harry Potter. Can't do that with Narnia. But you can with the Bible. That's amazing. Every single person that reads it can encounter the author. And a lot of people have different definitions for Scripture. They have different definitions for, you know, what the Bible is, as you know, God's love letter or God's what, whatever, whatever people's definition is. And, um, but it, it's, it's God's covenantal journey with humanity. It's his covenantal journey with mankind. And if we, if we don't, you know, the, the Bible talks about uh, that Jesus was, he was the fulfillment of the substance. He was the, of the shadow. He's the substance of the shadow of the old. So Jesus is the new revealed. He's the old revealed. That was the, the, sorry, the new concealed is the old revealed. So Jesus is, so if I, if I have just a shadow of Dean, I can't fully see what he's like. Does that make sense? So I can get a picture. It kind of looks like this. And, you know, he's 6'3", 4". Oh, sorry. He's 6'4". He's and he's, you know, built like this. But I don't have a full picture of what he looks like until Jesus comes. And Jesus, it says of Jesus that he was, the, he was the exact imprint of God. He was the, he was the fulfillment. He says in Hebrews 1, it says, In the last days you've heard me speak about, about God through the prophets. In these days, it's through his son, Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, we're just going to read Hebrews 8 real, real quick. But I want to go on a bit of a journey this, over the next probably three, it probably take me three weeks to do this series. So Hebrews 8, <clears throat> There'll be a bit of, this will be a bit of teaching uh, more than necessarily just a sermon. Uh, verse, Hebrews 8, verse 7. For if the, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So this is talking about the Mosaic covenant. Okay, just want to clarify that. Uh, there would be, have been no occasion to look for a second. For if he finds fault, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And like the covenant that I made with, the, with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt... For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, 
For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Listen to this, verse verse, uh, 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing is ready to vanish away. So this is going to be our basis because what we're going to do is we're going to backtrack a little bit and then we're going to finish here. This is, I'm telling you the end. Uh, I'm doing what God does, right? <laughs> I'm telling you the end. This is what we're finishing. Because if we don't understand the substance of the shadow, sorry, of what we've come from and what we're journeying, through, what we're journeying now, it just gives greater, greater revelation to, to where we're actually going and the covenant that you and I are in. How many know, where, or, or let's do some interacting, where did, the, where did the new covenant begin? Death on the cross, death and resurrection on the cross. Didn't start in Matthew 1. All right, Jesus came in the middle of the Mosaic covenant. But there's actually five covenants in the Bible. Some would argue six, some put Adam in there, but we're going to leave Adam out. Just for this, just for for this sake, not going to go down that rabbit hole. But there's five covenants, and does anyone want to give it a crack of what they are or who they are? They're all attributed to a person. Noahic covenant, Abraham, Mosaic. There's three. Someone I heard someone say David, and then there's the new. All right. So we're going to go through the Noahic covenant this morning. We probably won't have time to jump into the Abrahamic. But I love the symbolism. There's so much symbolism in Scripture that is pointing to, to, to Jesus. And we need to know this stuff because we need to understand, or it's important for us to understand, um, the, not just the context of the new covenant that we're living in, but also the journey that God has been on and why and, it, and you'll see this in probably week three of why, because it's probably the, one of the number one questions people ask is, why was God this way with the Mosaic law and he was different in every other instances in Scripture? Um, did you know there's four passages, oh, this, we're gonna, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but there's four passages in, um, <clears throat> oh, I think it's in Numbers and few others before the mosaic law comes in where god he's he's in, we're in the abrahamic covenant and god says hey listen don't do that again probably not a good idea and then in the mosaic covenant there's consequences that come with the very same things that they did in that in the abrahamic covenant and so we're going to go through that and look at that and why is god that way and and just some of the things what so what was, the, what was the symbol of the, of the Noahic covenant? Come on. Love. Yes, it was love. <laughs> but what was, the, what was the... A rainbow. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's the, the, the number one symbol of the covenant is the rainbow. That wasn't a trick, uh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but if you, if you turn with me to, to Genesis 6... Verse 18, and it says this, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. 
So that's the verse, Genesis 6, 18, of where the covenant was proclaimed, that God said, I'll make a covenant with you. Obviously, in Genesis 9, then uh, verse 9, I think it is, uh, is when he says, I will never flood the earth again. I mean, thank, could you imagine Noah? Noah would have probably had a, a heart attack after the, after the flood if he saw rain again. He, <laughs> he probably would have been freaking out going, oh no, not again. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But God says, I will never, ever flood the earth again. And he makes this beautiful promise. Uh, throughout scripture, historically, there's, there's a couple of different languages that people, like language that people use for covenants. But the three that are most common, uh, one is a grant covenant. So a grant covenant is this. This is a Noahic, this is the Noahic covenant. This is a grant covenant. This is where a greater power makes a promise that is not contingent on what that lesser power does. Right? So does that make sense? So I will never flood the earth again was not contingent on what the people do. It's like I will never do that again. There's clearly been a lot of sin and a lot of destruction since the day of Noah. <laughs> but God said I'll never do that again. It was, it was a promise from God not contingent on what uh, the people did. The second type of covenant is called a kinship covenant, which it's probably best described as marriage. It's two equal parties coming together, but there's, there's contractual things in place. So it is, there, are, there are contingents on what happens. If you do this, there'll be this. If you do this, there'll be a blessing. If you do this, there'll be a curse. And we'll have that. We'll, We'll have a look of why that's different with the Mosaic Covenant in week three or so. Um, and then there's another covenant which is called a, a Vassal, Vassal, Vassal Covenant, which is a greater power dominates a lesser power. And generally it's on, uh, it's like if you do these things, I'm going to rule and reign over you. And I'm going to exhort my power and my authority, generally in a bad way. Right, generally it was, it was not, con that's, that's not the one you want. <laughs> you don't want to be in a Vassal covenant, you want to be in a Grant covenant. And so <clears throat> those are the three types of covenant. And there's just so much symbolism. I mean, I love, I love, the, the, so then the canon, what we would call the canon of scripture or the canon of a covenant is the historical events that happened before and around that covenant. Does that make sense? So that's the covenantal journey that we have with Scripture. We have these promises, these covenants that God makes with Noah, with uh, Abraham, with David, with Moses. I mean, and, and then, so then we have the canon of Scripture around that. So these are the events that took place around that covenant. And the Noahic covenant uh, sort of finishes around Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel and then Genesis 12, Abraham or Abram comes in into play. And so the Noahic covenant though is a covenant that Peter references and there's numerous references in the new covenant uh, about, about this of a shadow that is to come. And I love one of this. I was going to finish with this, but I, I won't. If you read the names from Adam to Noah, so I was going to put it in a slide. I just don't do slides. Um, <laughs> God bless Taryn. She had so many slides. Good on her. Uh, I just don't do slides. This is not my jam. But um, 
so if you, if you listen to the names, so Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalah, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah, right? Listen to what they mean. This is incredible. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God to come down teaching his death shall bring the weary rest. I'll read that again. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God to come down teaching his death shall bring the weary rest. Four. Man, even if you don't know Jesus, that's pretty, you, I don't think you can make that up. That's incredible. Everything about the Bible points to Jesus. Everything. It's all pointing to a day when all will know the Lord. It's all pointing to Jesus. What, I mean, what I love in the, New, in the Old Testament, the uh, ecclesia would, or the, the remnant ones, where there was a dwindling. So they went from a, a nation, you know, Adam, obviously that didn't go well, and then Cain and Abel didn't go well, and then there was, you know, a lot of crazy stuff that was happening in Genesis. I'm not going to get into the Nephilim or anything like that. But, um, and so here, and, and by the way, I, I do want to make this point. Uh, God says in 120 days, so people say, oh, that's, you know, that's why we live to 120 days. There's many people that have lived past 120 days, even in our lifetime, even past Noah. There's many people that lived way past 120 days, uh, 20 years, sorry. <laughs> Praise God, we live more than 120 days, eh? Few of us have done that in this room. <laughs> 120 years. Um, good, you're listening. <laughs> Just a test. Uh, 120 years. He, so if you read that in the context of the scripture in Genesis 6, 1 or 2, wherever it is there, it, it, it's taught, he says, my spirit will depart from man in 120 years. It's talking about in 120 years, I, I am, I'm going to depart my spirit from mankind. I, I personally believe Noah had a, had, a, had a timeline. He knew in 120 years that the earth will be flooded. And so it's, it's, it's not talking about that we will have 120 years. Uh, I'm, I'm not making a case for eternal, eternal mortality here on earth, but I, I'm just saying that that's, that's what that scripture means. But then he, then he goes on and he, he, he writes, so he floods the earth, but there was, eight, there was eight that were on the boat, right? So they went from this big you know, nation or people group, and then there were eight. The remnant ones came down to eight. And you see that throughout Scripture with Abraham and Lot. You see that with the, the Israel, Israelites. You see that there's always this mass amount of people and then there's a small portion of people that, are, that he brings into because of righteousness, because of that. And so whereas in the New Testament, Jesus takes 12 and he does 70 and 120 and 3,000 and then you and I are still a part of that today. So it's not, it's, not a de it's not a decrease, it's an increase. And, and it's a different covenant, right? And so, but the, so then they go onto the boat, all the animals, right? And then they're on the boat for 40 days. And Peter, 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter 3.20, 
Actually, we can go there. Let's have a look. 1 Peter 3.20. Let's read it in our Bibles. Because the formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Verse 21. Baptism, which corresponded to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the, uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So here he puts the correlation, Peter puts the correlation between baptism and Noah. He says it's not, it's not just the removal of dirt, it's that you come out with a clear conscience, right? The point is, what of the old remnant of the old evil sin was left after Noah, after God flooded the earth. Nothing. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the link. The link is when we go into the baptismal tank, there is nothing of our old sinful nature that is left. Nothing. That's what he's saying. He's not, it's not a covering of dirt. It's a removal of the old and into the new land. And then you plant vineyards. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? It's the new wine. That's not by accident. Everything in this book is on purpose. When he comes out and plants a vineyard, obviously it doesn't take long for it to go bad again, but it's the new wine. It's a, it's, it's a pointing to the day when there'll be a new wine that will come. There'll be a spirit of God that comes. So here the remnant ones, the, the righteous ones are hovering on the water. Here he's like, he's kept them safe, but he, it's pointing to the day here where Peter addresses in 1 Peter that where there'll be a removal of the old sinful nature. There'll be a removal of the dirt, not just a covering of the dirt. Does that make sense? And so here they, they come out, and, and 1 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter 2.5, this is where we'll kind of pause for a bit. It says this, If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And then he goes on. A herald of righteousness means a carrier of a divine word. You could even, even put it this way. It means a carrier of a divine way of living. If Noah was a herald of righteousness, yet he was still sinful internally, he didn't have the removal of sin, how much greater have we got it when we've been, when we've been circumcised, with our, our old nature has been circumcised and the new, we have a new nature in Christ? Come on. I'll get to Abraham, but if I can just, just jump a little forward, he doesn't leave the foreskin hanging. Sorry to be graphic. If you don't know what a circumcision is, Dean will tell you later, all right? <laughs> it's 
He does a good job of removing the, the, the circumcision. He does a good job of it. I said it a couple of weeks ago at the Jesus, at our Jesus night, I had this picture of the cross with one, one arm still flailing. Do you know you can't, when, when it talks about, when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, it's not to pick up your cross daily, to die on it daily. I know it says that in there, and I'm not going to go, go down that. But he's saying every, every single day it is possible for someone to take their cross and die on it. But that's what crosses are there for. They're there to die on. So let's paint the picture. You can cross your legs. You can get one nail in. You can get one arm in. How are you going to get this arm in? You can't. The point is you can't crucify yourself. And you're supposed to crucify yourself once. Come on. You die to your old nature and live to God. It's a one-time process called circumcision of the heart. It's not a continual circumcision. That's called torture. <laughs> right? That's a painful deal. All the men are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a one-time process that takes place that Noah was talking about. That, that It's a baptism to death. And then the resurrected life where you, where you plant a vineyard and have a party. So you pick up your cross. You, you take the cross to die on. You don't take the cross to continually hit the nail. Like you can't. You can't crucify yourself. It's impossible. Jesus was pretty adamant against self-righteousness. He really was against it. Matthew 10, 11, I love this. Jesus, we, uh, Dean talked about it this morning. He says, heal the sick, cast out demons. If you go into a place, if you go into a house, have your peace rest on that house. Remember this verse? What a funny verse. When you walk into a house, find a place for your peace. It says your peace. Find a place for your peace to rest. What's the international symbol for peace? A dove with an olive branch in it. What happened in Noah's day when they thought they saw land? Send out the dove to find a place to land. And then it came back with an olive branch. And then it went out and remained. Sound familiar? Baptism of Jesus. What does he say? John says, I can't baptize you, man. I'm not worthy to baptize you. And he says, let it be so that we may fulfill all righteousness. Are you catching the correlation between Noah now and Jesus? Let it be. So that we, Jesus has no sin. Let it be that we may fulfill all righteousness. Then you have the heavens rendered and you have the dove come down. And finally, forever, it's found a resting place on earth. In a man. Do you know there's a man in the Trinity? Let that mess you up. 
There's a human in the Trinity. I know he's fully God. Don't need to tell me that. But he became a man so that you and I have an example to follow. So here the, the dove comes and it remains. It's finally found a resting place for all time. And then when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to give you that same spirit that was on me and in me. I'm going to give you that spirit. And he says, when you go into a house, let your peace find a resting place. Profound. Peace, dove, the dove, if, you, if you're not catching it. You and I, are now, we're heralds. We are carriers of a divine word. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, you're the light of the world. <laughs> and if we as a church, if we are constantly thinking that um, we've got to fix ourselves in that sense, then what we will do is we will navel gaze and we will look inward rather than looking to the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I really believe prophetically the Lord is calling this house to be heralds of righteousness, to be carriers of a divine word, to walking into situations and circumstances where we would adequately represent God to a world that desperately needs it. That we wouldn't be hiding the light, we wouldn't be hiding underneath a bushel, but we would be, we would be representing God to the world out there because we're like, I'm a carrier of a divine word. I'm a carrier of a divine way of living. And so the, God's initial plan, if you read scripture from Genesis right through to Revelation, the, the plan is for heaven to come down. Always. There's always his plan. And I just want to pose this challenge to us this morning. We need, we need to, I, I can't, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find the words. We need to stop, we need to stop a couple of things. We need to stop going back to the past revivals and the past, past things. I, I love all that, I love that stuff. Like I, I'm well versed in all the past revivals and I love talking about it. I love studying it out. I love researching it. And uh, obviously, we're going, we're going way, way back this morning to Noah, <laughs> right? But God wants to do something 
here within each and every single individual as an individual but also as a collective not just as a you, you don't lose your individualism when you become a part of a family the family gets enhanced because of your individualism but you're also a part of a family right so we need to stop going back oh, I remember when and that's great we, that's great that's awesome we honor it but God wants to do something here now today and the other thing we need to stop doing I'm just I'm just doing a bit of correction and then we'll I'll go back to the lovey-dovey stuff all right <laughs> is 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 we need to learn or this is probably more of a not stopping but we we need to learn how to love one another and love and love one another well. This we, I know I'm preaching to the choir. This house does it really well. But God is looking for a resting place, for His presence, where holiness and purity and power would work together. That it wouldn't just be the miracles and the signs and wonders. I love all that stuff. Like Dean said, I'll go, we will go after that stuff unapologetically. But it's also about the holiness of, of the righteousness of God, of living in a way where our, our, the, our values for one another represent God to a world out there that the world would look at the house of God, the church, and say, I want what they have. Because that's what God's plan was initially with Israel. He says, I want a nation that all the other nations will get jealous of. In a healthy way. We'll go out on the streets. We'll preach power. We'll go after healing. We'll do all of those things. We will do that unapologetically. But if it doesn't translate into a family that loves each other well, then we're just a good organisation. Because the, the word is a herald of righteousness, says you're a carrier of a divine way of living. And I know there's a lot of people that have come from different churches, different backgrounds, and different upbringings, different ways of living, all of those things. <clears throat> but uh, my prayer, our prayer for this house is that this would be a place where our native tongue would be encouragement. Our native tongue would be love. Our native tongue would be heralds of righteousness. Our native tongue would be building each other up. We see a person who's down and we draw the gold out of them. We say, hey, where you're at right now, I love you way too much to leave you where you are. So let me tell you who you are. Let me show you who you are. Because why? Because I'm a carrier of a divine word. So I've got, a, I've got something to give. God said, I'm the light of the world. So I've got light to give. God said, I have the Holy Spirit in me like a river flowing. So I let that river out. It's not a bathtub that can sit there and get moldy and dusty. It's a river. Right?
You're very quiet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's stand. Oh my goodness, Liam did a short message. The shadow of the Noahic covenant pointed to heralds of righteousness and you and I live in that day. What a privilege. My point of going on that little tangent was that in order... I didn't... didn't, uh, We didn't get to Abraham today, but... Like Abraham and like Noah and like all of these people, there was a strong commandment to never look back. Lot worked, Lot's wife worked that one out, right? There's a strong commandment to never look back. There's a strong thing of like, all right, the past hurt, this happened, these things, these church, this church, I've come from this church, I got hurt, I got what, whatever, whatever it is, right? But the, the, the day, I, remember, I, I was pondering this during the week and I, I thought about the women's, our, our Mother's Day morning that we had and Robin, for those that were here who would remember, but Robin made this statement of like, we need to, to honour what has gone, but we also need to, I I'm going to word it differently, but we need to press on to what God has for us and, and not forget the past, but move, move past the past, leave it buried. Leave it drowned. Yeah. Leave it in the baptismal tank. Right? Because God's got an incredible, yes. incredible future for this house and for every individual in it. Incredible. He says, I have plans to prosper you and be in good health. That's a promise that you can grab. And I just, I just want to hit that this morning. I'm not belittling anyone's circumstance. I'm not belittling anyone what you've been through in your life, right? Everyone's been through stuff. But it is time to leave those remnants of the old land, of the old way of thinking, of the old way of doing things in the past and move and press on to the promised land that God has for, for, your, for your individual life and for us as a church. Right? And because God wants to use you, he wants to use healed people to heal people. <laughs> he wants to take whole people who say, hey, all right, I'm going to take this, this vessel. I'm going to make it brand new. I'm going to not, you're not going to just hover over the ark, uh, over the waters, right? I'm going to make you the ark of the covenant because I'm going to put my presence inside of you, right? I'm going to make you the carrier of the divine word, not just a boat. Right? I'm going to make that you. I'm going to put my presence inside of you and I want you to fix your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith, right? not Liam, God. <laughs> right? and, and then it's like, okay, we press on. The past, the past of our lives and the past of our hurts, we go, all right, they're buried. They're dead. That's the only thing you should never resurrect in the kingdom life is, you, is, you, is the, the old man, the old life, the old way of living. Do not resurrect that one, right? Just don't do it. 
and then we're a carrier of a divine word into a world that just desperately needs it. I use this, I will, I'll close with this analogy. I shared this at the Jesus night, but I just feel like it's fitting right now. In Romans, it talks about grace, where grace abound, it's where sin abound, sorry, grace abound all the more. And grace is a person called Jesus. In the old covenant, in the old way of living, we you used to try and you would do the right things. But in the new in the new way of living, you've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? So if you were doing hundred kilometers an hour in a sixty K zone and you don't get a ticket, that's called mercy. You were doing the wrong thing and you got mercy. But in the new covenant, grace says in the same scenario, you're doing 100 kilometers an hour, say, in a 60K zone, and, and you've got pulled over by the police, and they said, hey, listen, not only do I want to give you mercy, but what I want to give you is a brand new car with a brand new engine, with a brand new way of living, with a fuel card called the Holy Spirit, with a brand new engine called righteousness. With brand new wheels, with a brand new clutch, with a brand new brakes, with brand new everything. I want to give you a brand new way of living. I want to actually make you a herald of righteousness. Oh yeah, but police officer, I didn't deserve it. He said, yeah, that's called grace. That's called divine favor. That's called divine favor. That's called, I want to make you a herald of righteousness. Actually, even better, the police officer says, he says, you know what? I'm actually going to die so that all your sins may be forgiven. And I'm actually going to come and live inside of you so that I can show you the best way to live this life. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. We're going to pray. <clears throat> and I just really believe people, um, I know I, I, I held back a bit, I think, but I, I, really, I really believe that we need to settle some things in our heart. People just need to settle some things. They need to, and you go, all right, I'm going to stop dwelling on the past. I'm going to stop dwelling on, on those things. You, what you focus on, you become, right? I know they did a study years ago. 2,000 people said, I don't want to become like my parents. 95% of them became like their parents. <laughs> what they focus on, even in the negative, you know, or positive, they might have been good parents, but is what they become. And so we want to focus on Jesus. We want to focus on him. So I just, we're just going to take two minutes, two or three minutes. If there are things that have just maybe you've been hurt, just feelings are real, and uh, just, just put your hand up if you've been hurt in your life before by anything. Just put your hand up. All right, a few of us. <laughs> But I just really believe God wants to come in this morning. Yeah, he's in us and he wants to just, just go, hey, it's time 
to leave the old ways buried. It's time to move into a herald to actually grab that way of living, become a herald of righteousness so that you can walk into homes and release the, release the dove. So that you can walk into situations and circumstances at your workplace and release the dove. Right? So that you can be a carrier of a divine word because you, you are. You are a herald of righteousness. Holy Spirit, I I pray right now that you would minister to people's hearts and minds. As Peter said, he says, you've come out with a clear conscience. Holy Spirit, right now, just minister to people's hearts and minds. I I really believe, we were talking about it during the week, people need to not just go from their head to their heart, they need to go from their heart to their head as well. The heart's been circumcised brand new. The mind is what needs renewed. Holy Spirit, would you renew people's minds right now?